Welcome back to Birching the West. I'm your host, Eldon Stahl, where we talk about all things related to being a bircher, an educational activist in the Western United States for freedom. Uh, today, we have a very special guest with us, someone who, for many of you, needs no introduction at all, Mr. Bliss Too. He's a former retired field coordinator, regional field director with the John Birch Society, and now he's taken on a new role as assistant, if I get that right, assistant uh, chair of the Utah Support Your Local Police Committee. And today we have a very special subject, of course, of talking about Support Your Local Police and, uh, and also I think a bill coming up in the legislature. Is that right, Bliss? That's correct. It's good to see you, Eldon. It's good to be back with you. Um, you too, Bliss. Yes. Uh, we have uh, a few support your local police committees that were authorized by the John Burke Society in Utah. Uh, one of them's up in the Ogden area. We have uh, uh, had a couple down here in the Orem area. One of them I think is kind of defunct because uh, that uh, the director of that group, the chairman of that group has just gotten older and is unable to work that. Um, I want to, I want to make a kind of a, off-topic statement for just a second. Please excuse my my scruffy appearance. <laughs> I've been a background extra on the TV made-for-TV series, The Chosen, for the last few months, and they asked me not to trim my hair or beard at all. They want me to look like I'm somebody living 2,000 years ago. So, uh, pardon my scruffy appearance. The John Birch Society back in the 1960s. Um, started a uh, dynamic uh, set of committees, volunteer committees across the country because the communists and their communist front organizations had begun a, um, a war on the police, on local policing. And uh, because you can't carry out a revolution very well if local police forces have good intelligence and are well-armed and are able to resist criminal activities like riots and looting and arson and vandalism and uh, those kind of things taking place in the streets. Um, one of the objectives of the communists back in the 1960s was to convince uh, legislatures and cities to allow the formation of civilian review boards and civilian review boards were to have power to critique every action and every policy of local police forces. This first became very evident with the creation of a civilian review board in uh, New York City and other major cities around the country back in the 1960s. Well, uh, you were probably pretty young back then, so was I. <laughs> Um, but I well remember in that era when there were um, communist front organizations like the Weatherman Underground, Students for a Democratic Society, Black Panthers, and other groups that were rioting across America for various reasons, especially against the then Vietnam War that was going on. And the rioting would get really bad in a lot of instances. There would be what I mentioned, looting and arson and violence and vandalism. 
And <clears throat> at that time, there was, it got so bad in Newark, New Jersey with the rioting that they were burning blocks of cities like we saw last year occur in Minneapolis, Minnesota, when the Black Lives Matter Communist Front group burned blocks of Minneapolis. And, um, and I call Black Lives Matter a communist front group because the co-founder of Black Lives Matter is a woman named Patrice Collars, C-U-L-L-O-R-S. Look her up on YouTube. She admits on YouTube proudly that she's a Marxist, that she's a trained Marxist. And she says communism just got a bad rap in the 20th century. Um, we know that's not true. Communism earned its bad rap. Uh, they murdered over 100 million people in various countries like the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics and Communist China, the, the uh, Communist Chinese Party there murdered 70 million people under the rule of Mao Zedong. So whatever bad rap they got, they deserved. But anyway, Patrice Collars is a lovely young woman with a very winning smile, and she laughs a lot while she talks, but she's a communist Marxist. She doesn't like to use that word communist. She likes to call herself a Marxist because of the bad connotation on communism. <coughs> is this that you're me. talking about? Pardon me? Is this that you're talking about? Patrice Collars, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Oh, okay. So if, if you wanted to, uh, I just wrote a letter about that yesterday to um, uh, the one of the members of the House Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Committee, uh, Utah State Representative Marsha Judkins. And I let her know I'm the assistant chairman of the Utah Support Your Local Police Committee and that I was very concerned about a new bill that had just come out. And that bill is HB, House Bill 74. It's called the Municipal Police Oversight Amendments Bill. And it's sponsored by Mark A. Wheatley, uh, Democratic Representative for District 34. And I wanted to let her know that we members of the support your local police committees in Utah are opposed to the passage of HB 74. And you can see that uh, Eldon has put the, the um, uh, bill right up here on the screen for you to see. You can even see a picture of Representative Wheatley over there on the right. Nice looking guy with a better trimmed beard than mine, uh, well-dressed. But it says this bill allows municipalities to create boards to look over the, you know, watch over the shoulder of the police chief, basically. And even it has authority to overrule hiring or appointment proposals of chief of police. It, it can change policies, department rules, regulations, and policies. So this is a powerful board that would be elected, that would be second guessing and, and hamstringing and paralyzing local police forces. <clears throat> and who will get elected to the posts on this board? Who's going to be working to become part of this board? Well, you can bet that subversives, communists, socialists, um, Black Lives Matter uh, 
operatives who are aligned with that subversive uh, movement would be trying to be elected to be appointed or whatever to the uh, civilian review board for their city. Anyway, this is a complete about face of the law in Utah. Uh, it changes it from that they that no city that a city will not have such a board to that a city may have such a board that can do all these things. And so that's why we're opposing it. Uh, the bill would also overturn House Bill 415, which was passed in 2019, which prohibited municipalities from establishing entities with authority independent of the chief of police that could make decisions over police department policies. So we believe that there's plenty of layers of uh, internal review systems in place to review Utah's municipal police departments for and sheriff's departments. For example, uh, police chiefs overview their own you know, work within their department. You sometimes have internal affairs units for a police department. You have the city, account, city council and mayor looking over police actions. You have the city attorney. You have the county attorney. You have the state attorney general's office. You have- state That works good here. Yeah. You have state legislators, you have the governor. I don't know what's going on. Not to mention uh, watchdog media reporters. So there's an awful lot of review and holding accountable the police in Utah already without setting up some uh, uh, civilian review board that is something that's been promoted by communists since the 1930s and 1960s. Um, I, I wanted to bring something else up. If I can put this up on the screen, just I'll just hold it up. Can you all see that? The communist attack on U.S. Just, police? Just a second, Bliss. Let me stop yeah. share. Okay, now, now hold it up. Everybody should be able to see it well. Okay. Can you see this old book? This is a 1966 book written by Dr. Cleon Skousen. It's, it's called The Communist Attack on U.S. Police. Inside this book, you have this document from the uh, Congress, U.S. Congress. It's called The Communist Plot Against the Free World Police. This is a report that's, that's an uh, uh, addendum to the book so that you can uh, get in and, and read that report. It shows and exposes how the communists who were holding riots across America had an entire booklet written on how their riot could overcome the police, how they could outflank them and, and it shows all kinds of maps on how to use your rioters, your mob, to out, outdo the police that are opposing you, how you can encircle the police, how you can come at them from diff different streets uh, and without numbering mm -hmm. them. Uh, so anyway, there's all kinds of tactics and strategies laid out in, that, in the communist report that was revealed in that hearing. And that hearing talked about the civilian review boards. 
and I know we have limited time today, and uh, I wanted to read something out of this book because uh, let me say this, back in, uh, I think it was June this year, I was watching evening news and I had told my wife, Sharon, uh, maybe a, a little bit earlier, uh, back in April and May, when all these riots were taking place from New York to Honolulu and, and in Salt Lake City and in Provo, there was a Black Lives Matter rioter shot a man in his car and on and on, you know. And I told her, watch the Black Lives Matter group start pushing for civilian review boards. So uh, it was June the 24th on television I was watching and I heard a woman from Black Lives Matter being interviewed and she was issuing the Black Lives Matter list of demands to a reporter. And she said that they wanted then Governor Gary Herbert and the Utah legislature uh, to enact some of these demands they were saying. And one of those demands was for civilian review boards to be instituted. And that day I wrote an email about the civilian review boards to my state representative, Val Peterson. He's also the general of the National Guard here in Utah. And to my state senator, Keith Grover, to warn them about the communist roots of civilian review boards and how it's meant to overcome police. Now, with that as a background, Eldon, would it be okay if I just read two paragraphs out of this book? Absolutely, Bliss. All right. This yeah. This is in the uh, chapter one. <clears throat> chapter one of the book uh, is titled The Communist Plan to Paralyze the People. I mean, to paralyze the police through civilian review boards. Okay. Yep. This is on page 15 of the book. There's a subheading here that says, why the demand for civilian review boards caught on. The hate campaign against the police was unnatural for communist and left-wing propaganda purposes. Because the police are the authoritative symbol of law and order, the American public is extremely sensitive to the slightest hint that they may be abusing their power. This is a healthy situation so long as the public is getting the true facts. But what happens when the public are fed a continuous and heavy propaganda diet of deliberate lies? Unfortunately, experience has proven that they are just as damaging on a temporary basis as though they were true. Not only is public confidence shaken in the police, by the poisonous hate campaign and the deliberate lies, but there is also the occasional incident when some police officer actually does use bad judgment. Whenever this happens, the communist left-wing coalition snatches it up and joyfully proceeds to paint a grossly exaggerated version of the incident and present it to the public as being typical of the police. So this is how they begin to demonize the police. Now let's go back to last spring. Last spring in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a, a city I've been to many times to work with the John Birch Society coordinator there and um, in a beautiful city, a wonderful American city, very populous. Uh, they had terrible Black Lives Matter riots 
And these riots were reminiscent of the 2014 riots after um, that young Mr. Brown was killed in Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, I want to go back to that riot for that riot situation for just a second because that riot, some of the people that came and did the arson there in Ferguson were actually flown in or bussed in from New York City and they were members of a group called Revolutionary Communist Party USA. You can look up their website, revcom.us. But anyway, let's go forward to what happened last spring. There was a man killed in custody, or at least he died in custody. His name was Floyd George there in Minneapolis. And we all saw it, all of us, that that police officer had his knee on Floyd George's neck for too long. And it looked like an abuse of power and, 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 a, and just an abusive situation. Now, what, what they didn't tell is that later it was determined that Floyd George died because of some drugs he'd taken that caused a bad condition in his lungs that caused his death. That came out in later inquiries, but at that time it looked like he was being choked to death by a police's, policeman's knee on his neck. And uh, so this is what we were all aware of across the country. Black Lives Matter snatched that up. They'd been doing riots all over anyway, like down in Dallas when those five policemen were shot to death uh, by an ex-Marine that was a former Black Panthers guy that got up in a parking lot and shot these five Dallas policemen to death. But here's Black Lives Matter. They caught hold of this and a riot ensued there in Minneapolis and city blocks were burned down, arson and looting got underway, violence, vandalism, all the hallmarks of communist revolutionary mob activities was underway. And then this spread across the country. Now this wasn't, this wasn't just coincidental. This was orchestrated that you would have, I, I made a list at the time of 20 something cities where riots were taking place. And we were watching it in Salt Lake City where they tipped over a police car and set it on fire. And, and they confronted the police and they threw bottles at the police and they looted a 7-Eleven store. So there was arson, looting, rioting, police confrontation all going on in Salt Lake City. Vandalism up at the state capitol where they spray painted all over the state capitol. Uh, sign and so on. So these things were happening down in Provo. A uh, Black Lives Matter uh, marcher actually pulled a gun on someone and shot him in his car. Now, back in 2016, a book was written by Heather McDonald. And I think this book could save lives if a lot of legislators would read it. This is the book, The War on Cops. And I suggest this to all of you if you want to be informed on, on what's really going on with cops. It's how the new attack on law and order makes everyone less safe. This is a well-documented book. It has all kinds of statistics that'll shock and amaze you. Uh, it goes back to the Ferguson mess. It talks about after three months of testimony, the grand jury in St. Louis County decided not to bring criminal charges against Officer Wilson, the man who shot Michael Brown. Three months of testimony. Why? 
because they found that he had shot the 300 pound miscreant with his pistol because Michael Brown had been attacking him, trying to take the pistol away from him. So he had walked away and he was running back at the officer again against his orders. And the officer had to shoot him in self-defense. This wasn't Michael Brown holding his hands up going, hands up, don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot, that they chant at all these parades and riots. No, that didn't happen. That was a lie that people told that were intimidated by mob members who were, and I don't mean mafia mob, I mean Black Lives Matter mob members that intimidated people in the neighborhood. And people were afraid to even tell the truth of what they saw that day. This is, this is what happens when the mobs, the, the communist mobs take over. But, but this book talks about the numbers, the real numbers. How many, how many black civilians unarmed are actually shot by police every year? How many white civilians that are unarmed are shot by police? Guess what? More white people that are unarmed are shot by police than black people. And what does it turn out to be? It's like nine black men a year, something along that order that are unarmed. Some of them are maybe unarmed, but they may be doing something to arm themselves or to beat on a police officer or to hurt somebody else. And and the and I'm not saying police never commit murder. They do. There's some that do. But there are 658,000 police and sheriff's deputies in this country. 658,000. And if out of 658,000 who are on duty almost every day, who are up against criminals, who are in high emotional situations, who are in danger, if, if nine of them, commit a, a crime of, of homicide against uh, some unarmed individuals out of that 658,000 that are doing things every day, 365 days a year, uh, we should feel like we've got the greatest police in the world. I mean, go back and look at what did the police do in the Soviet Union or China or the DGI down in Cuba? How many people do they kill? Is, or do they even try to keep records on it? Well, I can tell you in 1970, I read the book, The Gulag Archipelago, written by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was in the Gulag Archipelago prison system of the Soviet Union, and who talked about how Stalin basically killed 35 million people. His Cheka, his... his uh, Police, secret police forces and his, uh, what do they call them? The, their, their national police force. The now NKVD, the, is that right? NKVD originally, and then it became uh, something else that was doing the spying around the world as well. Anyway, they killed, you know, millions of people. And, and yet we're having riots because one man named Floyd, George Floyd died. Why should all of the cities across America go into riots when the police officer was arrested and the layers of protection against police abuse took over? He was charged with a crime. He's been tried. Uh, there was a grand jury uh, on him and everything. What do they need to riot for? 
we don't riot because a criminal kills a police officer. We don't go riot and burn a city down. The guy's arrested and, and he's tried. And if he's guilty, he's convicted. So anyway, this tells you that that was something utilized to bring about uh, a war, a greater war on police. And definitely there was another, there was another statement, and I, I don't know if I can find it. I think I lost it in here. Um, it was just a, a very little tiny statement, but it talked about how. Um, oh, here it is. I found it. Oh, great. Um, okay, it's, this is why the war on U.S. police became vital communist strategy. Now, this is 1966, but this is not unlike what's going on today. But from the beginning, the communists have known that in order to get a revolution ignited, there must be violent mobs so overwhelmingly large that police power is smothered or else the police must be so paralyzed and discredited, demonized, that smaller mob actions can succeed the communist war against the police was therefore launched on two fronts. One, to create a potential for massive mob violence, which would smother the police, and another to set, set up machinery to paralyze the police. Skip down about a paragraph and it says, on the second front, the campaign to discredit and paralyze the police was fired through a double-barreled shotgun. Through one barrel, the communists and their loyal followers fired a blast of hate propaganda against the police, mingled with wild charges, wild charges of police brutality. Through the other barrel, they fired a passionate plea for civilian police review boards as the only way to protect the public from the brutal pro police profession. Does that sound like right now? That sounds very similar. It's exactly what's going on again today. So, you know, we're we're in a position today that we need organized um, pushback, and the John Birch Society and our committees across America, not too few of them, are support your local police committees, SYLP. Some were founded way back in 1969 and in, and all the way into the 70s. And then we kind of let that lapse for a long time. But back about 2011, John Birch Society leadership began to see a renewal of the war on police in America and started warning about it and writing articles about it and books about it and so on. That's why we picked up the book, The War on Cops in 2016. So we've been at this a long time. So we created also another group <clears throat> besides our committees. And I, I and others, we were on the staff of the John Birch Society out uh, organizing support your local police committees where we could. I organized a number of them around the country through volunteer members that did the real work down in, for instance, Las Cruces, New Mexico, or uh, Orem, Utah, or Ogden, Utah, or, or uh, down in Southern California, or different places. And with coordinators, we often called on police departments and uh, sheriff's departments all over their territories. For instance, Joe Panzarello, the coordinator for the John Birch Society in, in Southern California, he and I visited just about every police station in Los Angeles and Orange County and all the way down to San Diego. 
I mean, we went in and talked to uh, police lieutenants and sergeants and you name it. We brought them information. Well, there was another body that was then created. Uh, it was a foundation. And this is a, I don't know if you've all heard of this, the Law Enforcement Charitable Foundation Incorporated. Anyway, this uh, foundation was created in order to put out police uh, intelligence for police forces to read because there's an organization called the Southern Poverty Law Center that's a leftist organization that promotes the idea that, the, that all these good uh, conservative organizations are really uh, uh, terrorist organizations, including John Birch Society. Uh, that's how they want the police of the United States to think about us. So Southern Poverty Law Center sends out a newsletter to every police force, 16,000 of them and all 3,000 sheriff's departments several times a year and to federal policing agencies. So we in turn created this document. This comes out twice a year. It's an intelligence brief. And for quite a while, Jim Fitzgerald headed this up. He'd been eight years a police officer in New York, New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey. He worked in Vice and he came up against the La Cosa Nostra, the mob, the mafia. Uh, so he had real experience in the trenches as a real police officer, but he had been the national director of field activities for the John Burke Society. And he created this foundation. <clears throat> they raised money to help out the widows or widowers of police men or women killed in the line of duty. I've been with him at least twice presenting checks to widows uh, to help them while they're waiting for life insurance or whatever else they might be waiting for to be able to help their family buy groceries, and pay the mortgage and that kind of thing. Uh, one of them was a <clears throat> Provo police officer and we gave a thousand dollar check to the wife of that police officer after he was murdered. He was murdered in Orem as they were trying to arrest a, um, uh, a man that was uh, brandishing a weapon at a grocery store. And he was uh, deputized with the Orem police force and came up and, uh, and uh, helped out and got himself shot to death by this uh, criminal. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, and, uh, and then down in Orange County, I awarded a check like that with uh, one, uh, a city councilwoman down there that's a John Birch Society member. And uh, Jim Fitzgerald came to, I think he sent the check down to her and we went and awarded it at a city council meeting at, a, at one of the cities down in Orange County. And that was the two I was in, but I, I certainly told him about other things. But what I wanted to br bring up here is this is a uh, spring 2017 issue of the intelligence brief. And on page 13, there's, there's a number of really great articles in here that went out to the police. And this was a very important article. Beware of SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, so that they could actually warn the police about who had been sending them prop hate hate mail propaganda against anybody you know that believed in the bible and believed in the constitution um anyway it says while the southern poverty law center claims to support civil rights and oppose hate it supports domestic terrorists 
and opposes mainstream values. And then it goes on to say how that's true and who is this, uh, the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center and um, how did they get a, a, an initial good reputation and what have they been doing to try and label people and demonize them as terrorists since then. This is important to recognize as President Joe Biden now has asked the director of national intelligence to make lists of people who had supported Donald Trump as, as virtually like enemies of the United States. These are people that are now in uh, domestic enemies. So you're seeing that this is kind of working hand in glove together. Well, I guess I've been talking for probably 36 minutes straight. Uh, and I, I wanted to bring up something else that is something that we've been working on with the support your local police committees. We've been trying, now this is a 2013 reprinted article. Uh, this came out in the New American Magazine. <clears throat> it says, sheriffs and legislators are acting to nullify Obama State and local nullification of unconstitutional usurpations of power by the federal government are crucial defenses against tyranny. Okay, well, uh, this, this article, I don't know if it's still available or not to be ordered as a reprint. If it is, I recommend it to you. I've sent this to a few state senators in Utah recently within the last few weeks so that they would have quotes from this article. I only have this one left, but, but there's quotes in here from the founding fathers that help people understand what is nullification, what justifies it, how is it used by the state legislators, by sheriffs, by city council members, by mayors, how do we nullify federal measures that are passed that are unconstitutional? Or, and I don't just mean by Congress, but I'm talking about rules and regulations that come out from federal bureaucracies, federal agencies, federal departments, like the Bureau of Land Management, like the uh, Environmental Protection Agency, like, uh, Oh, what's the name of that one that watches uh, uh, employers? Uh, OSHA, oh, the Occupational yeah. Safety and Health Act Agency. Yeah, OSHA. These are, yeah, this, these are a lot of unconstitutional rules and regulations that are given the force of law and enforced as if they are laws passed by Congress and signed by the president, when in fact they're not. They're rules and regulations that are not laws and therefore they shouldn't be uh, forced upon us like they are laws with fines and fees and, and punishments that, that could go with a breaking of a law. And so this is one of the things that the John Birch Society and our support your local police committees are trying to get across to legislators is the power of nullification. Nullification really is when you come out and you say uh, this is an unconstitutional overreach uh, that the federal government's done and our legislature recognizes it as such and because it's unconstitutional it's illegal in our state uh, 
And so it will not be enforced here by any of our police officers or sheriffs. And if you federal agents try to enforce this unconstitutional measure in our state, uh, we'll arrest you. <laughs> so it gives teeth to, yeah, it can. And, and so this is really important. And I just sent a letter to some of my legislators telling them, look, last year, uh, I can't think of his name. Oh, his name. Uh, represent, U.S. Representative Henry C. Hank Johnson sponsored a bill, H.R. 5717, and it is a civilian disarmament bill. Now, it says it's an anti-violence bill, but it's nothing of the kind. It, it requires everyone in America that owns a gun to be licensed by the federal government if they can get the license to own the gun they have. It lists hundreds of models of semi-automatic rifles, pistols, and shotguns that are banned and therefore must be surrendered hmm. and confiscated. Well, now, I don't know how many million Americans, maybe 60 million own guns. Many of them will not surrender those guns because they know they have a God-given right to life and therefore a God-given right to defend their lives and their property and their, and their freedom. And therefore a God-given right to own firearms and ammunition to protect their lives, freedom, and property, and children, and wives, and husbands, and other innocents. So when the government, any government, tries to disarm we the people, we are the militia. We the people are the militia. They are not allowed to disarm us. This is tyranny, blatant, in-your-face, oppressive tyranny that the government would be engaging in. This is drawing a line in the sand the way that King George III did when he came against the people in Lexington and Concord to what? To confiscate their firearms and their, and their ammunition and their gunpowder. And what happened? We, the people, the militia showed up with our firearms to resist that tyranny. And the war for independence was virtually kicked off April the 19th, 1775, a year before the Declaration of Independence that we see displayed behind Eldon. Mm -hmm. So we're into serious right. times right now. The, uh, the United Nations has a treaty, a small arms treaty that seeks to disarm all civilians worldwide in every country. And if any country has any problem with their people sur not surrendering firearms, the UN's willing to send troops to help disarm them. What does that mean? That means internal war. Okay, well, I've, I've said most of what I wanted to today. Thanks well, for hearing me. Oh, gosh, it's so good to have you on, Bliss. Uh, I was just, uh, I thought I better kind of bring it around a little bit. Some people might want to say, okay, uh, if, especially if you live in Utah, how do we take action on this House Bill 74 and try to uh, resist it, oppose it? Thank you, that's a really good question. I think the first thing to do is to go to the Utah State Legislature website. You can just do it DuckDuckGo or Google, whatever search engine you use. I like to use DuckDuckGo, but because then it's not tracked. And I go and I pull up 
the Utah State Legislature website. It'll come right up. And then, and then when that's up, uh, I, I scroll down, let's see. Okay, there it is. Okay, now you see top of the screen there, it says legislators, put your, uh, in the blue. Right here. There you go. Now just yeah. stay there for a second. You look over to the right, it says house and you'll see roster. Now you look off to the right and you'll see Senate and it says roster. That is all the members of either house. So let's click on roster for the house. Okay. Now it like pulls that. up all the members. Now, if you know your district, you can just scroll down to it. Mine is district number 15, if you'll scroll down there, please. Okay. Oh, and it's Val Peterson. There we go. There's. There it goes. Oh, that's Brad Wilson. Oh, I'm sorry. Good it's house. District 59. In oh, the 59. Senate, it's 15. Right, 59. House, house District 59. Yeah, I'm getting uh, Alzheimer's, I think. <laughs> so, uh, okay, better. there he is, Val Peterson. So now just click on his name, if you would. Oh, okay. wait, before you do, oh. see to the right, there's his phone number. So you can phone him. All right, but, well, if, we, but, I but we clicked on his name and here's his phone number. There's his mailing address here in Orem. That's also an address you can see if you can get an appointment with him. That's his home. I go to his home and leave things with his wife. Knock on the door and say, would you give this to Representative Peterson for me? Or sometimes I call him General Peterson because he's the general of the Utah National Guard. Uh, but you'll also see his email down there. Now, what I want you to do, now you can take that email and you could go on your, you know, I use MSN for my email uh, or Outlook, but, but you could go, just click on that right now on email, click on that and I'll show you what happens. Okay, well. Not it's sure not working, this one quite it? works on this. Oh, well, never mind, never mind, I'm wrong. Just scroll down. Keep okay. scrolling down. And this is an, an email right here. <clears throat> Keep going. Oh, get in uh, touch. Get All in right. touch. Here we go. So I just type in Bliss2, my phone number, address. But I've done it so many times. If I type Bliss, the whole thing comes up. It's already in there. Okay. So there's Eldon. Now, okay. Now, your subject here, I see where that subject line is. I type in. Uh, HB 74, please oppose. Please oppose. And then down below, I put my message in there. I just type in a message. So what I've done is I've done some research on the civilian review boards and I've got pre letters I've pre-typed already and I pull out paragraphs and copy them and paste them into there, rearrange it a little bit for today and maybe some information I want to add to it like um you know i'm also sending this to senator keith grover my state senator okay so this is one way to get in touch right here now scroll to the bottom please all right of this a second here okay, yeah, so okay and it says send message right so when you send that message it'll ask you if you're a robot and you say no you know <laughs> And, and that's all there is to it. Now, now let, let me tell you why I use this one instead of just sending the email on my Outlook personal email. This one is kept in the records 
of the state. It's part of the mm-hmm. records. And so what I've said to him is there. It's there to be seen. And if I say, well, I sent an email to you on such and such date, February 1st, 2021, well, guess what? They can find that email that I sent. So I think this is important because this is part of the transparency in Utah. Your communications may be kept this way. Okay, so that's one way. Now, another way, I would make some notes to myself and go back up to where his phone number is, if you wouldn't mind, Eldon. Thank you. Right there. All right. So, and and so I might have this right in front of me, and I just phone his phone number right there, and uh, I've got some notes here about the uh, the bill, but but mostly what I've got is maybe five questions to ask him, and so my first, I, if I get a hold of him, I say, "Oh, Representative Peterson, how are you? It's Bliss too." Well, he knows me. He's probably sick of me. Um, Hi, Bliss. <laughs> What, what can I do for you? Well, Val, I sent you an email about HB 74. I know you're very busy. Did you have a chance to read that? Uh, yes, Bliss, I scrolled through it. Oh, so you didn't get to read it all. I know it's pretty long, about three pages. Well, Bliss, I read the whole first page and, and quite a bit of the second page, then I got interrupted, but I'll, I'll try and finish the third page. It was interesting material. Well, thanks, Val. Listen, <clears throat> I am... Um, Last, last summer, I sent you about a 30-page 1961 congressional document on the war on free world police. Do you still have that? Uh, yeah, I think I do. I think I have that in a file. I said, well, I hope you'll use that right now to show your fellow legislators that this push for uh, civilian review boards <clears throat> is really part of that 1960s dynamic push to destroy the um, police forces around America as well. And also there's this book, Val, called <clears throat> The Communist Attack on U.S. Police by W. Cleveland Skousen. And there's a whole chapter about the communist push for civilian review boards. Would you like me to photocopy that for you and, and get that over to you to use? Well, Bliss, I don't know if I need that well. Um, are you planning to oppose the bill? Yes, I am. Okay, so there's my third question. Did you read my email? Do you still have that 30-page document I sent to you? And my third question is, uh, would you like me to send a copy of this chapter from the communist attack on U.S. police? And then my next question is, are you going to oppose HB 74, Val? Hmm. He says, well, at this point, I feel that I am. Well, Val, do you know what reasons you have for opposing it? There's another question. Well, I'm not absolutely sure all my reasons. I would like to put some bullet points together. Well, Val, we're putting together, our Support Your Local Police Committee is putting together some bullet points as we speak. Would it be okay if I emailed those bullet points and I'll put in the subject line, bullet points against HB 74? Oh, bless that, it'd save me time. I've got a lot of bills Mm -hmm. to review. 
I would really appreciate it if you guys would give me some bullet points for why you're opposed. Okay, Val, I'll get them to you in the next couple of days. I, I would really appreciate it if you would share them with like-minded legislators, but we'll try and get them out to Republican legislators. We're not sure Democrats will go for this. They're really in favor of civilian review boards because they bought into the Black Lives Matter dynamic. Okay, Bliss, appreciate it. God bless you. Well, God bless you too, Val. Bye-bye. And so there's another way, but if, see, if you've got some questions written down before you call, you can keep it short, business-like, respect their time, always pay them a compliment. You know, they're a busy person. You appreciate the work they're doing. You're working in an educational capacity with them. You're working in, as a conscientious citizen. You're a patriot. You're concerned about the future of your children. You're concerned about the freedom of your community and the peace and, and justice here in your community. You want your good police force to be recognized as good and to stay in force and, and keep us safe and not be drawn into a nationalized police force like the Gestapo or the KGB. That's the word I was trying to think of, KGB. Hmm. So anyway, that's a couple of ways to... Yeah, I like uh, that how... Uh you know, you could be kind of as a resource to them and help make their life a little easier and they probably would be receptive to that. That's right. And you can't be as overbearing as I am. I'm, I'm a talker. <laughs> my brother, my twin brother and I are what we call emotives. Uh, you know, we'll talk over the top of you. We'll talk, 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 talk. Um, maybe that's fear that somebody else will get a word in edgewise and our point won't be made, you know, but whatever it is, if you're polite and you ask questions and then you listen to their answers, you may be formulating your next question as you listen to their answer and helping them going through a thought process that brings them into agreement with you. Questions are the way to lead them in leading questions to, through a thought process that helps them to find agreement with the truth, agreement with the truth you're bringing to them. Um, so that's what I, go ahead. Well, uh, I guess I should point out just, uh, yeah, I like the idea of going on the, actually the legislative website for the purpose you pointed out, right? You can, uh, have that oh. in the record, um, uh, jbs.org. You can also find the alert if you go to act now and uh, click on state alerts. And click on Utah. Oh, there we go. And it should be right there. There we go. Stop. There you go. Utah Police Oversight Bill HB 74. You can click on there, and uh, that's very helpful as well. So that's excellent. That's that'll give you all the materials you need so that you can ask good questions and write good emails. I printed some yeah. things off from that. Right. Well, uh, Bliss, I should ask, uh, we're kind of running up against the hour. I know we uh, covered a lot of things, but would you, are, are you open for questions at this point? Uh, sure. Somebody have some yeah, questions? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure I can answer them, but I'll do what <laughs> I can. If I can't answer it, I'll tell you, I don't have an answer. Okay. Okay. Uh, same rules as before. Uh, please, not all at once, but uh Unmute yourself, ask your question, and then when you're done, of course, mute yourself. So uh, 
Let's have at it. Who has the first question for Mr. Bliss too? Okay, are you guys gonna be sending out emails um, with this information so that we can email it to our friends just around the state? Well, I think, first of all, there is uh, this website that has all that on the, on the John Birch Society Action website. Mm -hmm. But what about it, Eldon? Are you gonna send out emails with information to the yeah. Um, members? Yeah, I'll, I'll be sending out this alert. It should have gone out. I know several have said they've got the alert uh, from headquarters that they sent out when they created this uh, this alert on yeah. Hospital 74. But I, uh, I got I got the alert um, on my email. Okay. Yeah, it, things get overwhelming and you don't know what you're doing when you look at some of that stuff. And yeah. I get so many emails. In a day. Well, you can, you can keep this pretty small, Beverly. The, the uh, bill is only two pages. Uh -huh. And it's only, only a few sentences of it is what you want to, uh, you know, get after really and help them see. But, but uh, and I'd be glad to share one of my letters with you if you want. I think I've got your email, Beverly. I don't, I don't have access to the JBS database anymore because I'm not on staff, but I, I do have some emails saved. Okay. Yeah, I'm well, sure you do. Let me give you my email. Oh, I already so, have it. Okay. I just, anybody else on here that doesn't, I want to make sure you've got it. It's just my name, Bliss, B-L-I-S-S-2, T-E-W, runs together all lower caps, Bliss2, at j i mean i'm sorry at msn.com bliss2 at msn.com and my phone number is 801-427-1106 now i'm retired and i'm taking care of my 91 year old mother and i'm working with my twin brother on our family businesses right now and i'm i'm more busy than ever um, but I'm glad to talk with folks about things like this. This is essential that we kill it. Yeah, sure right. is. So it hasn't had a committee hearing yet. Is that right? I don't believe it has. Uh, I haven't checked the status. Uh, Sharon Anderson, the chapter leader in Orem, said her status connection had uh, broken some way, so she couldn't get the status on the bill. I, I just haven't been asking him to update me and I need to go in and sign up for that. But you can go on the bill and, and sign up to have them send you emails on status changes uh, on, the, on the legislative website. Um, they're talking about the Eagle Forum or a different group. All right, do we have another question? See if I can find the status on this for everyone. Great. Assigned to House Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Committee, but it doesn't look like there's a hearing scheduled. And you can click on that committee and, and probably look at their schedule. Uh, maybe it won't open. I, I've Not gone into this one, but yeah, there is a way to go to the committee. Yeah, there is. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to.
keep close tabs on it. It's for someone that wants to uh, testify, that's uh, a possibility. Nice thing nowadays, it's all on Zoom. So if you're from St. George or maybe outside the state, even though they'll allow you to testify generally. That's wonderful. Time. Yeah. Um, could I, let me say one more thing about this too. It, you know what, what committee it's in. You can look up the committee. You see it along the blue, blue bar at the top of the screen. It says committees. You can go in there and find that committee. And it's a house committee uh, on law enforcement. There it is right there. And you can find out who all the members are of the committee right there. And you can start communicating to them what your concerns are about the bill. You can see there's quite a few Republicans on the committee. Uh, and there's Marcia Judkins. Uh, Ryan Wilcox is the chairman. Representative Je Jefferson Burton is the vice chairman. So they're important people to reach out to with this kind of information. I may, I may write a letter to those two. I don't know uh, what they think of me or whatever. I'm not one of their constituents. But even so, I don't have to be a constituent to reach out to a, a committee member because that committee is for everyone in the state. So anyway, there they are. You can click on their names and it'll pull them up and you can do the same thing we just did where you scroll down and send them an email. So if you have a pre-written message, you want to copy and paste right into the um, uh, uh, email to them, you can send them, you know, have a pre-written email, and just copy and paste it in and makes it pretty quick. Yeah, very, hey. very easy. Sounds great. Yeah, this definitely needs to be defeated. Well, yeah, I think it's doable to defeat it. Mm -hmm. I do too. And I, I don't think it's going to take, you know, too many hundred people to uh, cause waves. But what you have to realize is on the Democrat side, there's going to be people that are pushing for this. All the Black Lives Matter people will be told, this is a bill you need to support. Well, how many thousand people in Utah have sided with Black Lives Matter ignorantly, not even knowing that their co-founder, Police Calors, is a Marxist? All they know is George Floyd died on TV and it looked like a terrible travesty and brutality. And so therefore all police across America are brutes and brutal and uh, murdering people. And we've got to, we've got to have civilian oversight. And nowhere do the Black Lives Matter people or the Marxists ever mention all the layers of protection from uh, the from the inner uh, internal review boards of the police departments uh, to the uh, city attorney, to the mayor, to the city councilman, to, to the uh, uh, county attorney, the attorney general of the state, uh, uh, to the grand jury. All of these are layers of protection that will go after a wicked policeman that does something wrong. So the policemen themselves know about that. They're not looking to do something wrong and go to prison. 
you yeah. know, they don't want, that's the last thing they want. They're terrified every time they go out of the house to go to work, because if they get involved in some kind of shooting incident or something, they might end up on national TV as the guy that killed so-and-so, you know, and, and they don't want to go to prison or lose their livelihood. So those poor guys and gals that are out there wearing blue uniforms and brown uniforms for the sheriff's department, police department, they put it on the line every day. I don't envy them. I don't know how, I'll tell you what, it wasn't very long ago. I walked in a restaurant and there were two cops in line behind me and I told the cashier, put them on my bill. And they said, Oh no, you don't need to do that. And I said, Oh, I do. You guys are under the gun. There's a national war on the local police and I'm aware of it. And I applaud you guys every day. You go out and put your lives on the line for us and, and risk being pilloried and demonized. And there's people probably say naughty things to you and nasty mean things to you because you wear a uniform. I said, but I, I'd be honored to buy you lunch. And they said, well, thank mm. you. That's so, really nice of you, Bliss. Well, we can all help them feel a little better. Like, you know, we, like there are people that support their local police. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't tell that story around. That was uh, personal, but I, I wanted to bring that up because I, I think we, that they're, they're being demonized in the press daily. Mm -hmm. And they're watching millions of people march in the streets and burn down buildings because they hate the police. Well, does that make you want to stay a policeman very long? Especially if you, if you got a wife and three little kids, daddy needs to make a living and come home every night. Uh, but if they're going to start shooting you because you're police, <laughs> yeah. you know, are you going to get to come home? No, I mean, that, no. So it, it turns into open season on police officers. All right. Any other questions? Yeah, any questions? Okay. I just want to say this has been really great. <laughs> well, thank you, Beverly. I know I've talked really fast and covered a lot of material, but I think that um, Eldon's recorded this, so you could watch it over and take notes. Yep. If there's something in there that I've said that you want to note, um, you know, you could do it. I don't have notes for this. I'm just pretty much off the cuff. So I couldn't, re, <laughs> couldn't redo this again. Um, I thought well, about it. So the magic of the internet. We can put this on YouTube. I can record the audio and put it on my uh, podcast so people can listen to it. And also I'll have a link so that you can download an MP3 and listen to it. If you have an MP3 player, you can listen to it on the go. So very convenient. And you can share this with people. So I encourage you to do so. Well, a lot of information, a lot of good things. Just don't share it with Black Lives Matter. I don't want them to mob my yeah. home and burn it to <laughs> the ground, tell my wife. Yeah, right, right. We do appreciate uh, Well, that. that can't be stopped. I'm just joking, really. But I told my wife that might happen to us because I've said a lot of stuff they don't like publicly. I, well, mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, I'm glad somebody could come on today. Uh, it's good. And hopefully uh, we know as a lot of people listen to these and watch these and uh, afterwards and, and share them. So if, if you see it on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, comment, all of that. And uh, do so on Anchor where you have the, the podcast or Spotify or wherever you have your uh, podcast listening. 
Uh, please, please do that. Share things far and wide. Would you send me a link to it on YouTube if you put it up on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. I'll and then I'll be able, you know, if you send that to me in an email, then I'll share that with family and friends and and maybe a few friends that I trust on on Facebook. Okay. It won't stay on YouTube long. Well, maybe not. It, I don't I know. I haven't had anything come down it. yet, but we'll see. Uh, I, I, okay. I doubt it will have enough views very quickly to get their attention. It's if it gets a lot of views, it'll get their attention. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's right. But little little drops here and there, right? It's a mm -hmm. good share with others. So, well, thank you so much for everybody that came on, especially you, Bliss, for taking the time to explain oh. all this stuff about the, you know, support your local police and all these different aspects of it. That's really made it. Well, thanks for having me yeah. on as a guest. I appreciate so it. So glad you could come. And this is kind of a fun format to do. So hopefully we can, uh, you know, if you want to be on again, if we didn't scare you off uh, sometime, maybe maybe you would like to do that, but uh, certainly be sure. welcome. Yeah, I, I, we can set it up ahead of time like we did this time. I can schedule in too for it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks. Yeah, yeah. so uh, welcome. Uh, like to thank everyone for coming. I always like to put in the plug. Uh, those of you that probably heard we're uh, gathering a little finance here and there, a dollar here, a hundred there, whatever it might be for putting up a billboard in, in Utah uh, along, along the Wasatch Front is where it would be uh, promoting the John Burr Society, Save, Save Our Republic, join the John Burr Society. I hope all of you consider doing that if you haven't done that already or if you need to renew your membership or maybe go from a, a subscriber to the magazine to a full member. But uh, thank you everyone for being on. Thanks for being on uh, listening and watching Birching the West and we will catch you next time. Thank you.